thank you all very much for being here today for this special healing meditation. And I invite you, if you're able to stand up, if you would stand up, please. And please raise your arms in front of you and up over the top of your head. And as you bring your arms down, exhale. Do that again, please. Bring your arms in front of you, cross above your head, take a deep breath. Really stretch. And as you bring your arms down, exhale. We'll do this one more time. Cross your arms, bring your arms above your head. And as you exhale, make a sound that expresses how you're feeling right now and releases any tension that you may be experiencing. Now, while still standing, if, if you're standing, uh, take a deep breath and just let out an audible sigh, just a big sigh. Ah. Do that again, a really deep breath. Let out an audible sigh. One more time, take a deep breath. Let out an audible sigh. Sighs are a natural part of our pulmonary function and they help to reset our system. Something else that helps us to get in balance and to reset our system is just to shake it all out. So just gently shake your shoulders, your hands, your hips, your head, just, just shake it all out. And when you're ready, you're welcome to take a seat or you can stay standing if you prefer. We wanna get this all out. We wanna shake this out because we have work to do. For those of us who live in the United States, I think we're all holding our breaths right now. I noticed myself several times today realizing that I wasn't even breathing. And many people are watching the general election in the United States from around the world also holding their breath. And there are things going on everywhere in wherever your home country is. There are just so many stressors in our lives right now. And then of course we have the pandemic and all of us uh, I think are just kind of holding our breath, just waiting to see what the next thing is that's going to happen. And we're part of making what the next thing will happen. We're, we're part of making that happen. And today we're going to hone our skills for healing ourselves. So we're strong enough to do that. Healing our communities, healing our countries and healing the world. Now to start to do this, we're going to have to interact with people we disagree with. We're just at that point. We are all going to have to interact civilly with people we disagree with. So we're going to explore today how we can do that while still staying true to ourselves and while taking care of ourselves.
One very important step in this process is to be aware of our distress tolerance threshold. How much distress can we handle? We can't heal ourselves or our country or the world if we're in an attack mode. So first we have to make sure that we're balanced. And then we have many techniques available to us to develop more awareness and more mindfulness so that we're aware of our role at this time, we're aware of our gifts, and we're aware of our opportunities for growth. And then we can consider having meaningful conversations with people we disagree with. This is going to require empathy, which is a muscle and a skill that we can build. So first we'll talk about the distress tolerance threshold. Don't try engaging with others if you are out of balance, if you are above your distress threshold. Now, on our teleconference, our symposium on September 20th for the fall equinox, we discussed transforming our autonomic system and our autonomic responses. And this presentation is recorded on YouTube. On, Rosa, on YouTube, youtube.com slash Rosicrucian TV. Again, it was on September 20th and it's called Transforming Our Autonomic Responses. So this helps us to work with our distress threshold. We have many, many Rosicrucian techniques that can help us with that, especially the vowel sound may spelled M-E-H and pronounced like the month of May. And this really helps to calm our system. Now with stress tolerance, we can become aware of our window of tolerance for stressful experiences. And if we go above that, we may attack others. If we have issues with alcohol or other substances, we may drink or use those substances. If we interact when it's above our distress level, we may start eating in ways that aren't healthy for us. There's a whole list of things that we do when we act, when we're above our threshold of how much we can take. Or we can just give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. We need you to help heal our communities, our countries, and our world. The first thing we can do is to check into our body. And then we find the eye of the hurricane where we can just get right in the middle and be very aware of what we're experiencing. I've mentioned previously a TED talk. You know, these talks are at TED.com and they're um, experts in different fields who share amazing ideas and techniques. And Professor Kelly McConaughey with Stanford University presented a TED Talk on how to make stress your friend. And the, the key is to know how we view stress. If we view stress as wearing us down and getting the better of us, that's exactly what happens. However, if we embrace that stress is preparing us for action, then we have a better response to that stress. And the program that she presented is about the biology of courage and how in times when we have so many stressors coming at us, we can still be courageous and we can still be civil. We are built for stress, and it's possible to train ourselves to leverage stress. This is trainable through mindfulness, through being aware of what we're experiencing in the moment. And again, changing how we think about stress can create resilience. 
When we're stressed and our heart beats really fast and we're breathing hard, this is our body rising to address stress. And everything that we've been experiencing up till now is preparing us to deal with the stressors that are to come. And they are to come. Stress makes us social. The pituitary gland produces oxytocin when we're under stress. And this motivates us to seek support in others. It, you know, it's sometimes called the cuddle chemical. It is the chemical that makes it feel good to bond with others. So oxytocin is a stress hormone that motivates us to seek support. Tell someone how you feel. Tell a trusted friend, a confidant. Don't bottle up how you're feeling when you're stressed. When life is difficult, your system wants you to be surrounded by people close to you. That's one of the great things of our community here, that we come together, that we connect with each other, we connect with our community. So once we're able to get ourselves somewhat balanced, then we can respond. And we can do this mindfully. Now our minds are wandering all the time, but how often do we notice that? Many thoughts are generated by our environment, what's coming at us. And of course, our thoughts can be driven by stress and by fear. Just noticing our thoughts, this is mindfulness, this is awareness, increases the thickness of, um, of our brain tissue. It increases the cortical thickness and creates stronger neural networks. Then the next step is that we can, once we learn to pay attention, because again, we have thoughts going all the time, once we're able to pay attention, then we can regulate ourselves so that even when we're not meditating or we're not in a calm situation, we can say, okay, I'm aware of how I'm behaving now. I'm aware of how fast my heart is beating or how quickly I'm breathing, and then we can self-regulate. But if we're not aware of it, we can't self-regulate. And it's especially effective to do this through third-person awareness. And this means that we look at what's happening to us, to our reactions, as though we're observing someone else or as though we're observing ourselves from afar. Like I would observe myself in a situation and say, oh, Julie's, Julie's um, heart is beating really fast right now. It's helpful to focus our attention on an anchor. And the easiest anchor to find is our breath. Now we're developing cognitive, emotional, and body intelligences all the time. Every day, everything we learn, we're developing these different aspects of intelligence. The best way to know our minds is to focus on the body and to see what pulls our thoughts away. By monitoring the body here. So if we're just trying, if we're, if we're in the middle of a situation and our thoughts are racing, that's more challenging to observe than it is to observe ourselves breathing very quickly or that our palms are sweaty. So to become familiar with our thoughts, we can use several Rosicrucian techniques that increase mindfulness. And we're going to do two versions of the breathing exercise right now. So if you would please sit in whatever way is most comfortable for you and take three deep breaths, becoming more relaxed with each exhalation.
Now breathe normally and focus on your breath as it goes in and out of your nostrils. So just breathe normally and feel the air going in and out of your nostrils. And if your mind wanders, just gently bring it back to feeling the air going in and out of your nostrils. Now continue to focus on your breath, but do a variation of this meditation. Begin with your eyes closed with every breath count and you'll count the inhalation and the exhalation as one. So breathe in, one, breathe out, one. Again, breathe in, two, Breathe out, two. So just count in this way with every breath. We're going to continue in this meditative state and just make a mental note of how you're feeling now. If this meditation helped you to relax in any way or to be more mindful of the many thoughts that you may have. Our minds flow with stories, thoughts, images, and meaning every moment, like a river. When our active attention is identified with wherever the river is taking us, we are less mindful. And then that makes us more prone to habits and autopilot reactions. Now, if the river is going along peacefully, that's no big deal. But in really stressful times, when it's rapids, 
we can feel like we have no control and we can get so identified with those rapids that are dragging us down the river that we get submerged and we may panic or we may feel rage or we may shut down. The key is to swim to the riverbank of the body. This meditation that we're going to practice now is called the riverbank meditation. And I learned this from an acquaintance, Brian Shires with UCLA's Mindful Awareness Research Center. The body grounds mindful attention and opens up the present moment with what questions, W-H-A-T, not with why questions. When our mind is racing, we don't get answers when we go, when we follow it by saying, why am I upset? Why did she do that? Why didn't I do that? But we do get answers when we ask, what am I noticing in my body right now? What am I noticing in my breath? So do that right now. Just notice your breath. Notice how you're feeling as a mood. Are you alert? Are you dull? Are you restless? Are you calm? What stories are shaping the river of your thoughts right now? Now, we just spent a few minutes meditating and we're in our community. You probably don't have any stressors right in your face. So you're probably feeling pretty calm right now. There are times though, when the thoughts keep yanking us back into the river, trying to get us to abandon our body. They want us to forget what we're experiencing in our body. And the riverbank meditation instructs us to keep climbing out of the river and return to the ground of body awareness. And then once you notice that things have slowed down a bit and the river is more calm, then you can get back in the river where it's more like a stream, where it's manageable. And then you can begin your inquiry. We're going to practice this now. We've grounded ourselves in our breath, our meditation. Now think of something that is troubling you or has troubled you. Take a deep breath. What do you know about this challenge? Whatever this is that's troubling you, what do you know? What are you sure is true about this situation? What are you absolutely certain is true? And what do you assume? What do you assume is true about this, but you don't, you don't know for sure? What do you assume is true about this situation that's troubling you? 
What is something that you don't know about this? Something about the situation that you just don't know. Where can you go to find out more? If you don't know something about this situation that's troubling you, where can you go to find out more? What unhelpful tendencies do you notice in your mind? What unhelpful tendencies do you notice in your mind? Maybe judgment or black and white thinking or catastrophization or overgeneralization. What unhelpful tendencies do you notice in your mind? Now, can you see this challenge, this struggle, as your path to growing and awakening and becoming more mindful? So is there some part of this challenge that you just identified that could help you to become more aware and therefore you welcome at least part of this struggle? And just make a mental note of any of the answers to these questions. When you're ready, open your eyes. In order for us to be able to interact with people we disagree with, we need the ability to say what is really true right now. We need to be able to train our mind how to swim over to the body, how to drag ourselves out of the rapids and go to shore where the body is, where things are very direct. Our thoughts might be uh, our to-do list, our fears. It could be the past, it could be the future. But when we're talking about grounding in the body, it's focusing on our breath. My breath is calm right now. Or our heart rate. My heart rate feels balanced right now. Or it could be the opposite. My, my pulse is very quick right now. So this is what we're doing when we pull ourselves out of the stream, that's the rapids that are dragging us with it into awareness of the body. It's just being aware of the body. So again, we ask what questions? What is my body experiencing right now? What is my breathing doing? What do you see and hear? What are some of the things impinging on me? What's, what's around me? And then this lets us open up to what are the facts? What are the facts right now? I might feel in this moment if I'm stressed, uh, I might feel threatened. Sometimes stress is physically threatening to us. So we can ask, what are the facts here? Am I really threatened right now? I'm probably acting like I am, but am I really? It's also helpful to talk about ourselves in the third person. For example, 
for me, I could say, oh, look how upset Julie is, or look how angry Julie is. It's helpful to make it uh, our observations of ourselves as a third person and to use kind language about ourselves. So when we put ourselves back in that river of thought, then we ask, um, what is so challenging about this situation? We notice our thoughts and if it becomes overwhelming, we can go back to the, the, um, to our body, to the bank of the river, and we can just notice. And from there, we can look from, from where my body is, I can look over and glimpse that those crazy rapids and decide if I'm ready to get back in those or not. When we have strengthened our attention, then we can focus our attention with questions. We can also set an intention to know ourselves better. And we can give our complete focus on that intention so that every situation is a learning opportunity. Probably most of us have heard that every person is a teacher. And I think most of us would prefer to have fewer teachers and maybe be able to get those uh, lessons another way. However, if we approach even people that we know we're going to disagree with, with the intention that I can learn more about myself as well as learn more about this other person, then it creates mindfulness. Now, there are obstacles to mindfulness. It could be restlessness or it could be sleepiness. There are all kinds of things. Our mind is like, oh, I don't want you to focus uh, your awareness. I don't really want you to be mindful. I want you to follow all these thoughts. So we can use the obstacles as the path. If we become uh, restless, we're with someone and we feel restless or we become drowsy, make that, make that an opportunity for self-awareness to understand the drowsiness or the restlessness. We can observe if we can stay centered when we're watching the news. Now start with, um, maybe we should start with the weather because it's very challenging to watch the news and not feel ourselves be dragged into the rapids by our thoughts. And then once we can stay mindful and aware with watching the news, we can expand that to what if I see someone's face who really I am typically upset about? Can I see that person's face? So little by little expand that we're able to be mindful when we're watching the weather, when we're watching the news, when we're watching the face of someone who can really trigger us. And again, we can explore that from the third person. So in my case, I could say, when Julie sees that person's face on the screen, Julie feels tightness in her breast or in her chest. Julie feels tightness in her chest or Julie wants to eat ice cream or whatever it is. When we start to feel overwhelmed, if we're aware of it, it takes some of the power away from that being overwhelmed. And begin where we are, just observe. Don't expect to be able to watch the most, the thing that pushes your buttons the most without reacting, start with something that you don't feel so strongly about. And then we can transform these challenges into our ally. So the riverbank meditation that we did, it can be done say once a day or once before we're about to go into a challenging situation or we can do that once we've developed the skill in the moment. It doesn't have to, we don't have to meditate ahead of time once we've trained ourselves to be that mindful and the best way to be aware of what's going on in our mind. Again, these thoughts are trying to drag us down the river in rapids. The best way is to focus on our body. So we can just, you know, let's say we're in a situation, we feel it starting to get tense, just, Take a deep breath and then think, okay, 
my heart's beating really fast or my breath is uneven, whatever it is, get grounded back in our bodies. And notice the tension and then try to soften it a little bit. Muscle tension is unconscious. Since we've been, um, since the pandemic, we've been exploring ways of moving our bodies in order to relieve tension. We don't even realize that we are holding tension in different parts of our body until we then move our body in non-habitual ways. We sit, we're looking at screens, we have this focus in a certain area. So we're always in the same position we become aware of these emotions that we're holding in our body when we move in non-habitual ways. And we are going to do that at the end of our, our time together today. So to see the mind begin with relaxation. Deeper breaths loosen deeper muscles. So let's take three deep breaths again. Now, in your mind's eye, see someone who you feel safe with, but who you've disagreed with about something at some point. So you're listening to someone that you can disagree with and you can feel safe with at the same time. So hear this person say something that you disagree with you feel differently than they do about whatever they just said. Now, again, we've just grounded ourselves in our bodies. We've just practiced mindfulness through focusing on our breath. So we're probably in a pretty harmonious state right now. So imagine that you're in that state with this person that you do feel safe with, but you disagree with what they just said and listen for the parts of what they said that with integrity, true to yourself, you can validate. So you could say something like, I hear you and I know this is important to you and I can see why you feel this way. So see yourself doing that now. Listen for any part of what the person is saying that you can validate and still feel good about yourself. You're still true to yourself, but you can say, I know this is important to you, or I can see why you feel this way. If you were in this person's shoes and you didn't want you to change your mind, you just wanted to be heard, how would you respond to this person if you were in her shoes? You really just want to be heard. Keep these responses in your mind so that if you have a disagreement with someone, you can still respond very civilly. You can respond in the way that you think, well, the way you would want someone to respond to you and the way you think that person would feel heard by saying something like, I can see why you feel this way, or I hear you. The change that has the strongest impact happens locally in our families and in our neighborhoods. That's where we can make the most change in the world. 
Okay. So you can open your eyes, please. Under stress, when we're under stress, our minds like to go what, to what is certain. Our minds like to go to something certain when we're under stress. And it's usually black and white extremes. There have been many studies done on this and look at all the stressors in our lives. So our brains are like, can we just have some certainty here? Sometimes the certainty comes through religion, through laws, through um, our concept of how the world is supposed to be. So if we find ourselves, because we're stressed and we're, we're craving certainty, be curious about what we are craving, about the certainty that we're looking for. If it's related to a document, research who wrote this. Not just, does this make me feel good? Consider, is this source reliable? Does it still apply today? Now, this might bring up some opposites some contradictions when we explore this. How do we deal with powerful opposites when we see things that we don't like? How do we deal with powerful opposites when we see things that we don't like? The Rosicrucian teachings present this in several different places. We explore the thesis, the antithesis, and what brings it together? Synthesis. This is used in dialectical thinking when we can hold opposites. Yes, this may be true. And yes, that may be true too. Or yes, this may be true. And how else can I see this? This requires us to have a desire to understand the causes and conditions and contradictions. Most people don't want to do this. This is where our divide begins. No, I want it to be my way. And if you start chiseling away at my beliefs, then what is my foundation going to be? So most people do not have a deep desire to understand contradictions. And this is where our divide begins. Some years ago, I studied business and one of the required books to read was called Leadership Without Easy Answers by Ronald Heifetz. And he writes that the, that the responsibility for progress and unity lie with the primary stakeholders, not the leaders. We want leaders to give us simple answers. We don't wanna hear, oh, that's going to cost this much or, oh, that's going to require this sacrifice. We want easy answers. So the idea is that the responsibility for progress and unity lie with all of us, with the stakeholders, whatever organization it is, whether it is a family or a business or a country. Now, contradictions can be addressed with dialectical thinking. The skill is trainable. And again, we discuss this in the monographs. We have the thesis, the antithesis, and the synthesis. A dialectical dilemma is when we don't acknowledge contradictions. That creates, that, that blocks the opportunity for synthesis. For example, we can accept things as they are, we can work hard to change things. And the synthesis is, I can do what I can, but I don't have control over the results. So we can say, oh, this is just the way things are. There's nothing I can do about it. Or we can work really hard to change things. And the synthesis is that maybe it is true that this is the way things are, 
And maybe it is true that I can work hard to change some things. We've talked about this before when we've explored stoicism and the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I know this is important to a lot of us. So another contradiction could be if we want total freedom, it provides low safety. If we want high safety, it produces low freedom. So how do we synthesize that? How do we reconcile these contradictions? Another example is separate boundaries, me first, or merged boundaries, where I can watch the news and feel empathy for others. How much can I feel and how much can I help? Now here is a contradiction that I think can be especially helpful for us right now. And this is judgment and hatred for people who we believe are bad actors. You know, people who have, have malicious intent. So we can excuse and feel sorry for bad actors or we can feel judgment and hatred for bad actors, or we can recognize the injustice and say, I don't understand these people, but don't just vilify them so that we continue the synthesis. Our human brains are enormously biased below our level of awareness. We, we have no idea what our biases are. The mind is constructing reality moment to moment, predicting what is happening. And of course, this has to be based on the past. And this was helpful to our ancient ancestors if um, they were running and they went past um, the, you know, the side of a cliff and they saw a shadow, they would predict, okay, there's a shadow there. And the last time there was a shadow there, there was a lion there or another person who harmed me. So I'm going to just predict that what's behind there. But really all I saw was a shadow. We're doing this every day with shadows. Harvard University has a project called the Implicit Project. And if you're interested, you can go online and just search Harvard's Implicit Project and it explores what our biases are. Now, you may wanna consider if you wanna take the test, they have a free online test and you can uh, find out what your biases are related to um, social issues, to politics, to health, to the beliefs that we have about our health. Their research is so fascinating. And again, you can also choose not to do it. I'm, I can't vouch for the confidentiality of what they do with the results, but I believe it's um, honorable. So one, one uh, project interviewed people who had been in car accidents and it was found for certain that they were the cause of the car accident. And they asked them, are you a good driver? And the people who were known to be the cause of a car accident scored themselves equally as the general population, as people who had never caused a car accident. So this shows that we have a bias that we all think we're good drivers. There's another project where scholars were asked when they did joint papers, how much of the work did you contribute to this paper? So let's say there were four scholars working on a paper, you'd think maybe it would be 25% each. But in any case, it should only come up to 100% contributing. The average that was found was 140%. People think they contribute more than they do, just like they think they're better drivers. So we all have these biases. And it's important to see our bias and then focus our intention, which is to know ourselves better to recognize our biases rather than, oh, this really makes me feel good, if we're interested in knowing ourselves better. 
we can become curious about other people. When we're interacting with someone, we can remind ourselves, and we may need to do it ahead of time. I'm not dealing with a Republican or a Democrat or a black person or a woman or whatever. I'm dealing with a human being. I'm dealing with a human being. And then become curious about that person. Some of you may be familiar with the work of Soren Kierkegaard, who I hesitate to label him as a Danish philosopher, but he was. <coughs> and I hesitate to do that because um, he said something like this. It's not confirmed exactly what he said, but it was something like, when you name me or you label me, you negate me. There are many more interesting characteristics that you could know about me that define me, including those that haven't manifested yet. So when we name someone as a Republican or a Democrat or whatever it is we do, we're negating all the other things that define that person. If I were to describe you as a Republican or a Democrat or a Nigerian or a Canadian or something else, what else would I be missing about you? Just make a mental note. What, what would I be missing? What defines you that I just cut off with my blinders because I had labeled you? When we're curious, it turns off our habituation filters. And those filters say, I already know what he's going to say. I already know what she's going to do. Our software is brought to life when we let in the miraculous amount of data that's bombarding us right now about another person. Interacting with people we disagree with provides an opportunity also to watch for dehumanization. Some people are choosing now to dehumanize people they disagree with by calling them dogs or monkeys. They're trying to dehumanize them and this isn't new. The Nazis did this with the Jews. Joseph Goebbels personally worked on a film that he called the Jew film that depicted Jewish people as rats. And the film showed Jews as dangerous aggressors who had to be exterminated. And killing Jews is like killing rats as a necessary way to preserve health and cleanliness. In the Rwandan genocide, the Hutus depicted the Tutsis as cockroaches that needed to be exterminated. Those Hutus murdered 1 million Tutsis and moderate Tutsis during the Rwandan genocide in 1994. Yes, this is wrong. And how can we deal with this? We can work on our own habits and beliefs, on our own biases. Remember, everybody thinks they're contributing more than their fair share. Everybody thinks they're a good driver. If we're going to move our culture forward, we have to use awareness, compassion, and wisdom to create practices that are actionable. Now, focus again on your breath. And think of someone who does something that bothers you. Think of a scene that didn't turn out like you wanted. 
Don't choose your worst enemy, choose someone kind of easy. They're not a threat to you. What do you know about this person? How did they get there? How did they get to the place where they behave like this? Be curious. Can you validate how they became like this? Is there anything that you can admire or like about them? Even if it's a really small thing, is there anything that you can like about them? How did they develop that quality that you like? Can you hold these together? That this person does something that really bothers you and that there's also at least something that you can like or admire about her or him. Can you hold these together? Can you validate how they would have become like this? Can you find a bridge to have a decent conversation with this person or with someone else who you disagree with? Can you find the bridge to have a decent conversation with them? This is training the mind. This is training you to be the person who doesn't take the bait. This trains you to not take the bait. And it trains you to initiate healing, including healing within yourself. So mote it be. So here are a few helpful tips. In difficult conversations, call in instead of calling out. For example, you could say, when you said that I am un-American because I voted for this candidate, that makes me feel angry and indignant. What, remember, what did you mean by that? So it's saying, what my experience is, when you said that I am un-American because I voted for this candidate, that makes me feel angry and indignant. What did you mean by that? Not why questions, what questions. 
Attend to your own feelings first so that you start from, from a stable center. Leave the conversation if you are too activated. Leave the conversation if you are too activated. Judgment is hard when it is colored by righteousness. In your mindful awareness, stop and think, am I being self-righteous? Talk to new people. Explore outside of your bubble. Be curious about others. Try out someone else's life. You could visit someone else's church or mosque or synagogue and invite them to visit yours. You can research what life is like in Syria right now and consider whether you would stay or try to leave. You can join forces for a shared cause, cause the Rosicrucian Order, working on a community garden, help to clear those hiking trails that you hike, volunteer at your local library. And how do you support yourself? Focus on your breath, focus on your body, and who do you want to be? You can set an alarm and every hour look out the window at the birds and the trees. Feel the warmth of the sun or explore the colors of the clouds or the darkness. You can look in a mirror and smile. Get in touch with your mammal reality so that your body doesn't get overburdened. We are animals, you know. See how miraculous a piece of bread is or an apple or these Zoom teleconferences. Who figured this out? Who created this? See how miraculous these things are around us and now do that with another person. How miraculous is that person? How miraculous are you? If you're experiencing fear or anger, focus it, focus on it in your body, feel where it is in your body and try to breathe into it or move that part of your body. We can make our intention peace while still being true to our beliefs and how we feel. Let's not galvanize the divide. There is a point where there is no going back. Be a champion for peace. Be a champion for healing. So mote it be.